Hello, and welcome to the newest and most recent edition of the Christian Nerd of Godcast. My name is Scott Higa. I am the Christian Nerd. And along with me, as always, is the proprietor, runner, taker, breaker, ever from the Nerd of Godcast, the Nerd of God, Tony T. What's up, Tony? I love to take and I love to break. What's going on, Scott Higa? Ah, I was telling you, I texted you on Tuesday when I was finish listening to your most recent episode episode 90 of the nerd of Godcast, all yes. about avengers endgame i texted you and i said i'm sad now and you're like why i'm like because your show's on hiatus so i won't get to listen to it for a little while yep and then i said but we still have our show and i said yeah but i don't listen to that i mean i listen <laughs> to it when i edit it and post it but so, so okay Real talk. It's okay. No, nobody else does either. I know. Do you ever listen to your own show? Do you ever go back and listen to it? Because you have to listen to it like five times as you're editing it to get out everybody's (laughs) side comments and tangents and things where you think, dang it, Lee Smutty, I can't have that on my Christian podcast. That's that's right. Now, there's some times when uh, when I will go back and listen to it, usually right up front just to make sure I didn't miss anything or snooze during the editing process and leave in, you know, neff drop and a swear word or something like that. But um, (laughs) if I go back, it'll be either to show somebody something or it'll be just a pure nostalgia but no i'm i'm usually like the editing process is all the listening i need yeah and because i i get that because when i was doing with ron i would have to listen to the whole thing and edit out you know not anything bad but just we're like no one really wants to sit and listen to this tangent for three minutes like it's just not worthwhile but you know doing my show it's there's nothing to edit because it's just my stream of conscious and i just say and i can i self-edit while i'm recording so i'm not going to go off on a random tangent though i do go Mm. off on random tangents but i you know i like the ones i go off on like like this one right here yeah this one just a good tangent hey no this (laughs) is good peel back the curtain how how, if people people don't understand the editing process though you know the original content versus what they actually end up with i got blasted by my own crew we played a game uh, on our last episode episode 90 it was uh, I played a uh, Siri says yeah. quote from the Marvel I Cinematic that. Universe. There, there, were, there were some hard ones in there. And that was a long game. It was like a 30-minute long game. <laughs> like my game, longer than most podcasts. And, <laughs> and for time, I tried to trim out any unnecessary conversation yeah. that was happening. Uh, especially I'll play a quote. I've got people around the table that are taking the time to think. I'm giving them a few seconds to write down their answers. And they, uh, some of them came back to me, the people on my own crew, complaining, well, you gave so-and-so more time than you gave somebody else. Like, when I was doing it, you gave one, two, three, but you gave them five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I said, well, you, maybe that's what you heard. But what you don't know is that I'm actually trimming out a lot of that dead space. So yeah. if there's no conversation happening, when it was your turn, what that meant was nobody was running their mouth, Stephen. <laughs> so I was I cut all that dead space. When it was their turn, you wouldn't stop talking, so I didn't. <laughs> cut it out so it seems like they had a lot more time when in reality oh is this yeah. over like who had more time to answer the question yes yes they oh, man. they uh they, they really want to win me. those games they yeah they have accused me of shenanigans but they only for some reason accuse me when they don't win man yeah the only person who complains about my podcast is me when i think <laughs> why no, is we complain we complain too you just don't hear us <laughs> We get it. Your week sucks. Stop talking about it. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Did your did your daughter dress up like Captain Marvel again? (laughs) 
No, I'm kidding. I, I teased you about that two times now, and that's only because your daughter is my favorite part of your show. Like when when you talk about when you talk about your little girl, I just go, "Yep, yeah, this guy was born to be a dad." Yeah, like you 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 dig it more than most, man. She's great. I love her. So you send me all the time, kind of again behind the curtain, all these like you know, hey, I'm reading this the Captain Marvel storybook, and and like we, I'm just going, man, like. The, uh, to me, being a dad is is the greatest thing. Like being a father uh-huh. is my favorite part of my identity. So when I see you and you're taking these first steps and you're kind of investing in your daughter, part of uh, you know, I don't want to say your nerdy identity, but your passions, um, dude. I just think that's great. I think th- that a father daughter, father son, you know, being able to share those things and pour into your kids, um, it's to me, it's just magnificent. I think it's wonderful. Hey, thanks. Yeah, she's great. I love her. She's awesome. She's hilarious. She just cracks me up sometimes. And then there are times on Friday night we had her at church because Alicia was singing. And she had fun with her friends all day. She was at a babysitter. And then she gets to church and refuses to do anything we tell her to do. So, you know, <laughs> then there's also those moments. And I share those frequently as well. But, you know, there's plenty of tantrums to go along with. Uh, like On Friday night, she was... Alicia was doing bedtime because I had to do some work and so Clara kept coming out with her Captain Marvel book and she's like who's this who's this because she doesn't have all the bad guys memorized but she I'm like you know who that is it's Baron Zemo and then she goes back in so she's like mommy mommy that's Baron Zemo and then she has her Princess Leia book she's like what's those I'm like those are my knocks like my knocks mommy those are my knocks and so it's it's pretty parasitical organisms that live in giant asteroid bound worm creatures (laughs) totally makes sense one of the greatest things for my son growing up is that he was the perfect age when the cartoon show um Superhero Squad came out. Did you ever watch the Superhero no, Squad? I did not. You must, you must watch Superhero Squad. It was one of the greatest love letters to Marvel fandom that you could ever find. They, they were all sort of um, chibi little, you know, cutesy versions of Marvel superheroes. You know, big heads, little tiny bodies. And it was kind of their version of the Avengers. They were called the Superhero Squad. Hmm. And it was like Captain America and Wolverine and the Silver Surfer. And uh, Spider-Man wasn't on it because I don't think they could – there was another animation deal that Spider-Man had. Um, and then sometimes Captain Marvel on – it was Miss Marvel, the black yeah. the black suit. And um, it, Nick Fury and, and Reptile, who was sort of like the young version of him, you know, the young version of uh, like, hey, he's the token kid on the team. And they But they brought in so many amazing storylines from the comic books and crossovers and, re- and references, meta-references to uh, different characters like – uh, so the bad guys that they constantly were fighting against, sort of their their core stable of villains, was Doctor Doom, um, the Abomination, Modok, and uh, I, I don't remember, but it was it was just like this cutesy. There were cutesy little bad guys that would fight against these cutesy little superheroes, and it was a true delight. I mean, there was so uh, Stan Lee was the mayor of of the town. <laughs> it was just it was great. You must watch Superhero Squad. I will find it, and I will link it in the show notes. They they currently have something like that. They have Marvel Superhero Adventures on the Disney Junior app. And so it's just like little two- or three-minute shorts with Spider-Man and a bunch of heroes. And Clara loves watching those because she can't watch other stuff because it's too scary. But she that that's her superhero. Also, right. little Funko Pop animations. She likes those yeah. a lot. 
And it was it was cool because they actually had a storyline that kind of flowed all the way through. In season one, I think they were looking for the Infinity Stones yeah. or the you know so it was something like that. And in season two, Thanos comes in yeah. and he ha- but they but they even like twist things around where like Silver Surfer, who's a good guy, gets the Infinity Gauntlet and becomes a bad guy. And it's just like but it's all done in a super cutesy kitty kind of way. <laughs> I'm not scared of this at all. No, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. So, Tony, I, there's a thing you do on your show sometimes, and we're going to do it on, on this show. What are okay. you currently nerding out on? Just a oh, good man. question to think through. What, what's getting you going? What's, what's lighting that nerd fire in your soul? I'm trying to get away from all of the, the residual conversations about, about Endgame. I mean, they're just sort of lingering in the aether. So separating all that, um, I've gone back and started watching Star Trek The Next Generation again. Nice. And the, the reason why is because I caught my wife watching Star Trek The Next Generation on her own apart from me, and I just felt like, Finally, like that's finally better than are... catching your wife. You know, like that 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 story. You just like I caught my wife. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Watching, Star- watching. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and it was a travesty because I caught her watching season one of Star Trek: The Next Generation well, you because get she wanted it. to watch it all. Yeah, she she did, and and but it was really cool. And she's I'd telling be worried, me what she though, likes because clearly she has a thing for older bald men, and right. Patrick Stewart right. is a good looking older bald man. You know what? If my wife left me for Patrick Stewart, I think I'd let it slide. Also, dude hasn't changed in thirty years. Nope. No. I mean, you got to. I mean, honestly, when did that that show came out? Thirty two years ago. Can you believe that? Yeah, like, he, that's yeah, what I'm he, saying. Seriously. And he looks I mean, the same. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jonathan Frakes, though. Not so much. Yeah, but people love him because he's directing like a madman. I love Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. He directed my favorite Star Trek movie, First oh, Contact. First Contact, so good. First contact is so good. So so Star Next Trek's generation. kind of been my thing, and I've been um, you know really w- kind of bolstering my Hot Toys collection a little bit. Opened a box last night. My Black Panther came in. He looks really awesome. So yeah, getting into that. Awesome. What about you? I w- I had a lot of flights, so I broke out my Marvel Unlimited and downloaded a bunch of comics, and I made my way through two volumes of the Eternals. The first one from the 1970s, which not was great, huh? No, not great. And we were texting about this, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't really care about the 70s cosmic stuff." I'm like, "Me neither." But if I want to continue to look down my nose and feel nerdy, superior to people, then I've got to know what the Eternals <laughs> are all about before everybody else. You mean you haven't read the Eternals? <laughs> so, Volume One, not very good. And apparently, it was set in a a parallel universe where. Like these heroes don't, the Eternals didn't exist in 616. Because in it, they're talking about different Marvel, like some college students build a mechanized version of Marvel's The Hulk. So in that world, he's a comic book superhero. And so Hmm. then he gets brought to life by a bunch of cosmic energy. And so there's three issues of the Eternals fighting some cosmic energy version of The Hulk. It's really (laughs) weird, man. So not good. And like I told you, Jack Kirby wrote it, and he used the word Holocaust a lot. I think I said that on my Friday episode. But he used the word Holocaust a lot, which was weird. It's like, there's a Holocaust happening down there. I'm like, all right, Jack, go for it. <laughs> but then I read, and I said this again on Friday show, but I read Neil Gaiman's version, Gaiman Gaiman, from like 2006, and that was really good. So. He's- He's an amazing writer. He is one of my favorite writers when it comes to sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah. He's he's awesome. He wrote Stardust, which is a really, really great book and a really great movie. Stardust was the first movie my wife and I ever went to see together. Oh, it's a great movie. And yep. it's got Daredevil in it. 
and Claire Danes from My So-Called Life. It's crazy. And uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Robert uh, no, De Niro. Uh, Robert De Niro. I always get those two confused. Yeah, they're, you know, they get confused. And the well, dad they... from the OC. <clears throat> the dad from the OC? It? Is he not? I don't know. I've never watched the OC. It's been a long time since my wife and I went to see Stardust. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. It's got Catwoman in it. And Janet Van Pym. <laughs> Janet Van Pym. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. All of them just All rolled them. up into one. All one person. So yeah. So I mean, so this. I think that's volume three, and I found out there's volume two, but it's not available in Marvel Limited. Mar- but version three, which I think is probably what they're going to use for the movies, is really, really good. Do you think that if they didn't screw it up with the TV show, they, they that they would have rolled out the Inhumans by now, or they that would be like the next stage for them? I think they'd make it into vo- to phase four, because Inhumans was was a pretty viable set of characters i mean they were they're not uninteresting it's game of thrones in space but now because the tv show has just tainted it so much they can't touch it what do you mean tainted it i mean they took the best character and then got rid of what makes her interesting in the first episode (laughs) she's got interesting hair yeah that's too expensive let's cut it oh my gosh yeah i'm still surprised you made it all the way through i i had to i and you know the and the last episode actually was like if it if it <laughs> no I can't it was it was awful it was awful it was awful so the yeah so a lot a lot of a lot of Eternals which is good and that's about all I've had time for cool yeah oh I so I did rewatch the other night I tried making it through the first episode of what we do in the shadows the oh yeah 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 and the it, TV wh- show the TV show I haven't seen that yet so a lot of people were tweeting this week that the whatever episode was on was amazing like the most recent episode and I was I'm like really because the first episode was pretty slow I didn't like it that much then a couple people assure me that it, it's kind of like the first season the next generation that it gets better so I made so I'd originally only made it through half the first episode and then the second half of the first episode is much funnier than the first half of the first episode so now I have a lot of hope for it because. What We Do in the Shadows is a tremendous movie. It was a really funny movie. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's a really funny movie. I've I've constantly told people, you just need to watch this because it's so great. And that that was one of the things that made me excited for Thor Ragnarok is because, like, well, Taika Taika Waititi Waititi. made What We Do in the Shadows. So I'm going to like Thor Ragnarok because What We Do in the Shadows is pretty great. And so you said you are trying to avoid endgame conversation, which is a good thing to do. I'm not trying to avoid it. But it's just just there's so much of it. I'm endgamed out. And and now people are less enchanted with it, so you start the conversations oh, yeah, have started to lapse into the, the nitpicking. Yeah, and, uh, I'm on two. The, I don't join a lot of Facebook groups, but there's two groups. If I can rant for a second, that I'm I'm a part of two types of groups, and one is uh, kind of a nerd culture group. I think it's through uh, like sideshow toys, and the other one is um, a youth pastors group. And boy, those two groups do nothing but infuriate me. I can't believe that I'm part of both of those worlds. Just about everything that everybody says does nothing but cheese me off, man. Uh, it's like y'all just being argumentative and it doesn't make you interesting. It, does, it doesn't. <laughs> Saying something sucks doesn't somehow make you like a, a, a quality person. Just you, It just says that you're – you suck. <laughs> Like yeah. I did, I did a, a post. I watched the other day. I just kind of said, "I'm going to watch terrible movies while I work." So I put on like Ghostbusters 2016. I put on X Men Apocalypse, which you can argue if you want to. X Men Apocalypse was garbage. 
and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Because you know what Amazing Spider-Man 2 was garbage too. It just was. It doesn't matter that you like Emma Stone. I like Emma Stone also. The movie sucked. <laughs> and I said, and so I just kind of posted, hey, I'm watching this. What movie have you watched that, you know, that you think is garbage? And somebody put on their end game. And it's like, you know what? You suck. Just die. <laughs> just, just bring that noise somewhere else. I don't even care if the time travel mechanics are wonky or if it, Endgame did not suck. If you think Endgame sucks, then you are broken as a human and you either need Jesus or the incinerator. Oh my gosh. Wow. What happened to me? You got angry. Seriously, I apologize. That's all right. It happens. So, since you were done with people who don't like Endgame, what are you looking forward to? What nerdy thing are you most stoked for coming up? I want to say Spider-Man: Far From Home, but I'm still I'm still on the fence on. I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm I haven't watched. I didn't watch it because I know there's a lot more stuff out there with like there was a new trailer and more stuff with the Mysterio. I haven't watched yeah. any of that. So, super spoilery. I kind of wish I didn't watch it. Yeah. Honestly. Well, don't spoil it for me because I don't know. Yeah. I haven't watched anything yeah. yet. Yeah, uh, but I mean, a very spoiler. Unless they were able to masterfully craft like what they did with Endgame and uh-huh. make a trailer that doesn't, so it looks like it's yeah. showing a lot, but it really isn't. I felt like they really they they did a whole lot. Hmm. Uh, I'm kind of geeking out over some Disney stuff, man. As they're getting into this Galaxy's Edge thing is oh, coming up, yeah. and people are starting to make their reservations. Is and your... you know, we've got one coming here. Yes, you have a reservation. No, no, I don't. Oh. We, they, I don't think they've opened it over here yet. Okay. They're, they're doing it in Disneyland. You guys are you guys are getting the drop on us by a couple months. May thirty first. Yeah, so we're not until September. I don't think so. Is your pass open when it like? Is it blacked out when it opens up? We don't know how that's going to work yet. Oh, okay. the, when when Avatar opened up uh, the Pandora area, they would give. They have a pass holder preview, so you could go online and you could create an appointment. So you could go in from this window to this window. So, you know, Friday at 3 p.m., you can go in there, you can walk around, and then you would have sort of a window where you could ride the rides that mm. were in there. And it was just something that they did as a pass holder service. They have kind of already said that they're they're going to do that for Star Wars, but they won't do it until after it opens. But I don't know how that's going to work. I just know that it's going to be impossible to get into that place. Yeah. Um, well, they did They we, did a reservation system. I think it was last week they yeah. did a reservation system for here for the first month. And then after that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everybody's, unless you have the top two passes, I think everybody's blacked out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. They've switched it to where you're blacked out from Disneyland but could still go to California Adventure. They added that to the passes this year. And then cast members can't sign anybody in for three solid months. So, yeah. <clears throat> There you go. I mean, it, it's going to be big business, man. I mean, they're printing their own money. So I'm excited about that. You know, we, we like going down to the park and just kind of seeing what we can see and getting ready for it. The Star Wars meets Disney is uh, – that's that's huge, man. When when it, when it Disney bought Star Wars and, you know, by indirectly Lucasfilm and they when they got, uh, you know, all the stuff that kind of came along with the, the Marvel Universe – I'm just like, man, Disney is just owning my childhood, man. If they bought Nintendo, they would really own my entire childhood. That would set up for a solid transition to our next like topic. That? I do, but I want to tell you what I'm excited for. Okay, dang it, man. Dang it! You screwed up your transition! Uh, I'm So on Monday, when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it, I will be seeing What We Left Behind. It's a documentary about Deep Space Nine. And Iris Stephen Bear, one of the showrunners, has been making it for quite some time. And they've remastered a bunch of the footage from Deep Space Nine. And so it's getting one of those kind of Fathom events special screenings. And oh, cool. Alicia said I could go see it. So I'm going to go see a movie on Monday night at 7 o'clock, which I'm very excited about. So, yeah, it's a documentary about Deep Space Nine. And it looks pretty interesting. And just even from the trailers, there's people like getting emotional and like arguing like why did you 
why did you make my character suck or all or all this stuff or I didn't want and so yeah so it looks really interesting I'm very excited about that who thought their character sucked I think it was Terry Farrell like kind of getting frustrated and sad about why she left or why she felt like she had to leave so yeah it looks it looks pretty interesting I'm very excited for it I didn't even know that was a thing yeah, so I'll so if if I think it's on Monday night in the United States. So if you're around and, and have a ticket and you're listening to this early, go see what we left behind. A Deep Space Nine I documentary. Love, I love watching things about the things I love. Does that make sense? I if I had a documentary of your life, Tony, that would be I would just watch it on repeat because I oh. want to watch things about things that I love. Aw, bless your heart. Thank you. Bless your heart. Hey. <laughs> I don't mean that in the, um. the southern colloquial, like, aw. Aw. You're not going to make it, are you there? Sorry. Sorry, my tender little fella. It's all right. All yeah. right. So you brought up Nintendo, and so we've got a I little. I love Nintendo. I know. We've got a little old man yelling at clouds. Get off my lawn. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Old men yell at clouds. So in Old Men Yelling at Clouds, Tony and I were older than most of the people we hang out with. And we thought, so I don't play a lot of video games these days, Tony. I know you play a lot of video games. You get to play video games and have some fun, which is great for you. But for me... I've got a toddler, and I've got an infant on the way, so I haven't played video <laughs> games probably for close to nine months. Like, wow. I, like it, no video it, games. I don't know if you know this. It's been a little while for me. My PlayStation 4 died. No. I got the Yeah, I got the, the blue light of death, man, and um, I'm just crushed about it. And I, I don't know. I, I want to get it fixed, but I don't know that I can get it fixed. I'm really more concerned about all of the data and the game saves and the created characters and all the things that I've lost. Oh. It's supposed to be cloud backup because I have PlayStation Plus, but it hadn't backed up since September. And oh, no. Yeah, it was a huge, just devastating thing. So now I just I sit down to play a game. I just don't even have the heart to do it. I, I don't know. So you it's know like what the, it's the, like the, to have a child or left. a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. So part of me thinks all these newfangled video games on the PlayStation 4s and the Xbox Ones and the Nintendo Switches suck. But that's mostly because I don't get to play them because I don't have time. But also it's because I'm old and we nostalgize everything from our past. So yeah. I sent you a list, Tony, of eight video game systems. And we're mm-hmm. just going to run through them and share our favorite game from those systems. So Love this. Tony, what and is And these your... are old systems. Old these are, systems, these are, yeah. None of these are new. Yeah, we don't even have the last generation in there. We stopped with uh, PS2 and Xbox and those ones. Yeah. These so, are basically, uh, basically Clinton, uh, Bush 1, and Reagan era game <laughs> systems. <laughs> so what is your favorite Nintendo Entertainment System game, Tony? So now the Nintendo Entertainment System is is the the I think the linchpin of my childhood. I had games before that. I played the Atari. I had the Intellivision, the ColecoVision, but the NES really brought games to life. And one of the things that was most attractive to me, um, I remember discovering the Super Mario Brothers arcade game mm. at a little Mexican restaurant called San Miguel's in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And never, I've never played anything like that. And when I saw that you could play what was virtually that exact game, because, you know, there was always a huge yeah. disparity between arcade games and the home versions of it. It was just never as good at home. And the Super Mario Brothers was just about identical. 
I thought this is the most revolutionary thing I, I've ever seen. So mm. I, I had to get the NES, had to be a part of it. Uh, and there were so many amazing gra- – I mean, there, games were so good for the NES that they're still remaking them and making sequels for them True. today. I mean, that was – That's that pretty was impressive. The, that's huge. I mean, those, the, the characters that we've fallen in love with uh, from that time, and I just – I remember how important and how bra- groundbreaking those games were. Going from single-screen games like Donkey Kong and, and Pac-Man and things like that to games like Metal Gear where, I mean, there's just this huge branching storyline and – uh, amazing tools and items and traps and things and Metroid, which had this big sprawling map and you could retrace your steps and um, just the amazing thing. But for me, the most iconic and the the, the Nintendo game. Can I guess? That will always you, you can guess. Uh, go ahead. Is it Castlevania? It is not Castlevania. Oh. Although I love Castlevania so much. In fact, you just made me change one of my answers. Ah, <laughs> uh, Higa. Um, yeah, um, so so for me, I, I was in Kmart with my dad, and my dad loved to buy me stuff. He was, you know, that was just one of his love languages is giving gifts. And, uh, and he you wanted continued to buy me that game. love language for yourself. I continue. That's correct. <laughs> continue to give myself gifts. I know how to love me. And, uh, <laughs> and he was going to buy me a video game, and, uh, you know, my dad kind of likes some nerdy stuff. He wasn't a gamer, but he appreciated it. And I wanted this game called Mock Rider, which was sort of a post-apocalyptic motorcycle yeah. racing game. And it was it was hot trash is what it was. <laughs> but I didn't know it was hot trash. It was called Mock Rider, and that sounds really cool when you're 10. And, uh, and he's like, well, why don't you get this game? And uh, they had a really neat display there. It, it had some pictures on it and light-up letters, and it was called The Legend of Zelda. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want that game. Sounds stupid, Legend of Zelda. Like it sounds like some you know old Jewish woman or something like that. Like why am I gonna play this game? And my dad's like, well, you can choose. So I said, Mock Rider. I'm getting Mock Rider. And my dad, <laughs> so he yeah, chose Mock Rider over Zelda. I didn't know what Zelda was. And my dad, he just like he said, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and get you both. And I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever and, old man. Got home and Enjoy made a tour a coaster, of Mock Rider. The golden Coaster. <laughs> I played Mock Rider for probably 15 minutes and realized I think I've seen all this game has to offer. Mm. And so I dusted off and, you know, put in Zelda and the gold cartridge. And uh, it has probably been my number one favorite game ever since. Wow. It's it, it was amazing. There's never there there pound for pound, there's never been anything like The Legend of Zelda, in my opinion. I have never played a Zelda game, really. You should buy a Nintendo Switch and play The Breath of the Wild. Uh, it is the only game that has ever created the feeling in me that the original Legend of Zelda had. Well, I would like to buy a Nintendo Switch so I can play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. But unfortunately, we've used our crowdfunding to buy me a toy. So now I have to find <laughs> other ways. So what we need, what we need, friends. <laughs> no, 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 no. we're not guys. doing this again. So I need to find other ways to get me a Nintendo Switch so I can play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. When's your birthday, Scotty? September 26th. Oh, okay. Well, so uh, we're going to get you one. We're going to figure out a way. My thought was to get it added to my wife's baby registry. Or it's our baby registry because we're having the baby. So add it to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're both getting a baby, but she's having the baby. She's having the baby. So I I never even had a Nintendo. I have a Nintendo now, but I didn't have one growing up. So my, my, my Nintendo gaming was limited to what I could do at my friends' houses. And so, you know, you hit the classics like Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt yeah, and yeah. Punch Out and all those games. But no joke. Uh, uh, I was going to say Kung Fu, but 
I love Kung Fu. Kung Fu is a great game. <laughs> and then the little the little the little person comes up and jumps on your head and it's crazy. <laughs> but I think probably my favorite my favorite Nintendo game is Bionic Commando. Oh my gosh, how did I forget Bionic Commando? Even though Holy crap, dude. I don't think I got past the second level because it was really hard, and I didn't play it very much, but I loved it. It was like the game mechanics were great. It, and it still plays beautifully. Yeah. That's a great, great, great game. If the Legend, I, 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 w- I could almost be talked out of Legend of Zelda to pick Bionic Commando. That's I how much I love that game. I don't game. want to talk you out of, out of that. So they remade it. And uh, it's I think trash, it was called Bionic right? Commando Rearmed or something yeah. like that. They did it for the PlayStation Three. Yeah, and it was a like a HD remake of the original game. Oh, okay. And it's perfect. Dude. I thought like, they it's did like so an updated. I thought they did like a new one, like a first person shooter. They did. One. Okay, and that was garbage. Okay, that was yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah. But no, this one was it was an HD remake, and it was still fun and still cheesy and so much fun. Oh my gosh, dude! I, I'm going to plug in my PlayStation Three so I can play Bionic Commander Rearmed today. Sorry, Sheena. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have a nice it's day her, off, but then my husband talked to that bir- idiot on her the birthday internet. parties today. I'm gonna be in the background <laughs> playing Bionic Commander. Oh, happy birthday! Uh, We're gonna take a sorry. pause from our regularly scheduled show because my dog is freaking out and wants to get out of the bedroom. So I'll be back in 12 seconds. All right. And while Scott's gone, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Patreon.com. Patreon.com is where listeners like you can support shows like this by uh, supporting the artists and the creators that you love. If you swing by Patreon.com, you can make a commitment to give a small amount every time an episode comes out. You can find the Nerd of Godcast, my show, on Patreon.com. And now you can find the Christian Nerd Podcast on Patreon.com. Just a, a dollar or so an episode, and you can show love and appreciation to the creators that you enjoy. Thank you so much for your support. Visit us on patreon.com. Wow. That was a that was a that was a useful break there. <laughs> Completely impromptu advertisement. That was like an actual advertisement of podcast. Right, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> so what's your favorite Dogs freaking out. Give us some money. <laughs> what's your favorite Genesis game? Sega Genesis was my console of choice for a long time, dude. Like, I, I don't even, I, I think I, I didn't even get a Super Nintendo when it came out. I was a diehard Sega Genesis hmm. guy. And, and some of those games just still stand up today. Like, I loved Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that game. It was magical. For some reason, it's so stupid. If I tried to describe these games to you, like, you would go, that's not a real thing. Like, you're not Earthworm a dolphin Jim. fighting aliens. Yeah, you're not a yeah, Earthworm. Right? Remember the dolphin? Remember Earthworm Jim? Yeah. Here's a worm in a bionic suit and he going shoots around. Stuff. <laughs> he shoots stuff, fighting, going to save Princess What's Her Name, and that is her name, Princess <laughs> What's Her Name. Um, Toe Jam and Earl, do you remember that? Yep. Two rapping aliens yep. get dropped on planet Earth and have to find their spaceship parts. It was like you know, ET uh, meets the Wu Tang Clan, vanilla, vanilla Ice. Um, I love Sonic the Hedgehog too. Groundbreaking yep. game. Amazing. But my favorite Sega Genesis game, I don't know what it was. It was the art style. It was the playability. I, I just loved it. It still captures my imagination today. It was a game called Strider. Did you ever play Strider? No, I did not. Strider was a really cool game, Capcom game. It, it, you were like a cybernetic ninja. It took place in sort of a post-apocalyptic um, Russia and uh, just a really, really cool, unique game. Beautiful style. Strider, you can still find him in games like Marvel vs. Capcom and stuff like that. He's a, a, just a really awesome, well-designed, interesting character. So Strider was it for me. 
Uh, yeah, the Genesis was the first video game console that I owned. My parents got it for me for my 13th birthday. It was the updated one, the little square one. Had Sonic the Hedgehog oh, yeah. 2, which was great. Though, every time, you know, you got stung, the screen would slow down. <coughs> because <laughs> there was too much happening. It couldn't handle all those rings flying yeah. everywhere. And so I got the, the Sega Classics for Xbox One, and it yeah. still does the slowdown. <laughs> It is being processed by the most powerful game console on the planet. And but they, they added the slowdown in, which I part of me was very excited about, but part of me was so angry. I'm like, this is what, this was the one bad part about this game, and you're forcing me to relive it. But my nostalgic side enjoyed it. So that was the only console I owned as a child, and so I really liked General Chaos, which was oh yeah five on five. It was great. I really enjoyed Streets of Rage two. Is one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, dude, that's a great game. I forgot about that. Great game. That's on there. I I don't know if you ever played a game called Cyborg Justice. No. You were. It was. It was a side-scrolling like Battletoads. I mean, if it's anything, what it sounds like just by the title, I'm on board. Yeah. It was. It was like Battletoads or anything like that. And you were two robots. It was co-op and you go and you can play and you could steal the arm from other robots and give you like a firearm or a what? laser arm or a you know shooty punchy arm it was a great game i played that i want to see the movie version of that game starring dolph lundgren that sounds exactly like something that should have happened in the 90s it right? probably did it was just in the bargain dvd bin but i would say my favorite game was shining force it was yeah a role-playing game yeah just classic rpg you got a bunch of characters it was a 90s rpg so not everybody leveled up at the same rate so you had to swap people in and out of your party had a yeah. great story great combat mechanics great it was kind of like Pokemon where you – should I level my guy up now or should I wait? And, you know, when you're 10 or 13, you're like, oh, he's at level 10. I'm going to upgrade him right away. But then you, you know, replay it on your phone when you're 30 and you realize that you probably should wait till some – you know, there's a whole leveling up guide on GameFAQs, which I look at now. Because they, they have it on iOS. And so I just sit there and I play it on my phone. And it's great. It's a great, great game. If you've never played Shining Force – now, the first game in the Shining Force is another one of my favorite Genesis games. I think it was called Shining in the Darkness, and that was the only one I had. I didn't have Shining Force, but I, Shining in the Darkness I loved hmm. so much. Great art style, but I love those old RPG games. Yeah, like they're that. great. All right, favorite SNES game? Um, okay, and there's so many good ones, dude. I didn't play Earthbound until later on, and I love Earthbound a lot, So, I, but I didn't play it originally, so hmm. I'm kind of going to relegate that to a, a side category. Um Without question, I mean, I could go down all my favorites, but it's Chrono Trigger. Mm. Chrono Trigger is it, dude. It, there's there's just nothing that compares. Chrono Trigger is great. I I didn't play a lot of Chrono Trigger. I played a lot of Secret of Mana, and Secret of Mana is great. Oh, yeah, good. That is good. But my, fa- my favorite video game of all time is Final Fantasy III on the SNES, which is Final yeah. Fantasy VI. And that's that's... It's still my favorite video game. Just the story, yeah. and it's so good. I mean, I don't remember her name, but the blonde lady singing in the opera. I was, mm-hmm. like, moved. I'm playing a video game, and I'm moved by pixels and a MIDI sound, and it was it's great. And then Kefka wins, and the world turns upside down, and that's insane. Hashtag spoilers. And <laughs> spoilers for a 35-year-old yeah. video game. And so I never finished it because I didn't have a Super Nintendo. I played at my friend Phil's house. But Ah. Phil beat the game with my game save because he had 
like five characters who were super leveled up and everybody else was really low leveled and I did a good job of kind of getting everybody else leveled up and you need okay. everybody at the end of the game and so he wasn't able to beat it with his game save but to beat it with mine so <laughs> that makes me feel like I beat it that is cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the that game was that that game is still that is that is still a playable game. Yeah, just because the story is so good. I mean, the story so is unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Right, favorite PlayStation game. Oh, I, this was a tough list list for me to make, man, because I think PlayStation was such a, a turning point in yeah. console gaming. I mean, they came out with so it, it was almost like there was not a console since the the original Nintendo yeah. that was so defining when it came to great uh-huh. games like Metal Gear Solid was groundbreaking. Yeah. Final Fantasy 7, even though I prefer Final Fantasy 8, but but 7 was when it comes to like cinematic gameplay, uh Resident Evil, like survival horror games, all that kind of came out um the games like Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, Parappa the Rapper, which for the long time <laughs> that was the number one game on my list until just a few minutes ago when I edited it on the fly. Oh, and added Symphony of the Night. I did. I added Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It is, it is still... I've bought that game every time they re-release it. Mm. I bought it on PlayStation 3. I bought it on PlayStation 4. I bought it on... on uh, every time they release it, I buy it because that is a immaculately playable game. This was a hard... I don't, I don't have a favorite PlayStation game because... Then, this, can you say Tekken 3 so that I feel good about Tekken it? Because 3 that was is my, my other favorite one. PlayStation game. Because I didn't have... <laughs> wait. Oh, no. Okay, I do. Dead or Alive 2. Is my yeah. favorite PlayStation game because I because I didn't because I didn't have a place no that was on PlayStation two never mind that can't be on PlayStation PlayStation I didn't have a PlayStation it is the large gap in my gaming experience so all those games you talked about I know what they are I worked at a video game store so I know what they are <laughs> but I've never played Final Fantasy seven I watched somebody play some of Final Fantasy eight I won't play Resident Evil because I'm not into zombies so yeah I don't I don't have a favorite PlayStation game. Hmm. I played a little Metal Gear, but I didn't really know what was going on. So, yeah, it's just this big gap in my gaming life. That's a shame because PlayStation was so innovative when it came to, like, bringing games into what we would now consider yeah. what what gaming is. Yeah. Uh, man, just great. Metal Gear Solid was, a, was just a, such a creative game. The Final Fantasy game so wonderful. There was a game that we used to play in college that I loved so much, and I still have it. And I don't even know if it works because... It was designed for old tube TVs, not for HD TVs, but it was called Point Blank, and it was a shooting game. It came with the the, the Namco Gun Con, so like Duck Hunt, it yeah. had a gun controller, and you could shoot at the and and I and I don't think they work with modern TVs because no, you had don't. to plug it in through a uh, I think RCA cable. So man, I gotta I have to find an old. I'm gonna go down to home, you know uh, the what do you call it? Goodwill or something like that. See if find I can find an old TV. TV just, just so I can play point blank. Man, Sheena's birthday party is really ruined. Where's your husband? Well, first he was playing a really <laughs> like old Bionic Commando. Bionic Commando. And now he's at Goodwill trying to buy a tube TV. That's right. Happy birthday, honey. I got you the CRT TV. Aren't you Happy so birthday. I got you a Black Panther hot toy. <laughs> this is for you. This is yours. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. So favorite Nintendo 64 game. Uh, so I didn't own a Nintendo 64 for a while. It was a late console for me. Uh, when I got it, I literally only got it for one game, and that was the WCW versus NWO oh, yes. game. Uh, that was the only reason I got it, uh, and and I got it. I got the one that came with Pod Racing, but that we don't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the, Great the high scene point in of, that movie, bad video game. Yeah. Nintendo 64 to me, it's WWF No Mercy. 
Oh, that, that yes. is the yep. that is the top game Such for me of game. all time. So much, and I fun. know people are gonna go Ocarina of Time, and you're you're awful because that's the best game ever, and and it was great, but that wasn't mine at the at the time. I bought it for No Mercy, and that yeah. is my game. No Mercy is great. My favorite '64 game is Blitz, either Blitz '99 or Blitz 2001. It was right. the NFL Blitz, like just. It was like NBA Jam, but football, and you could just foul, and it didn't matter. And we mm-hmm. played that. That that was when I was in a senior in high school, and we would go to my small group leader houses, my small group leader Mike's house, and we would play. You know, you do four people playing, and so you know, two on two with me and all my other buddies, and we would just play that game nonstop and just running up scores, eighty-five to eighty-three, just so much fun. And that was brilliant because for me, I was never a sports guy. I yeah. didn't like. Uh, I, I liked the more arcadey sort of sports. I couldn't get into Madden, Madden or yeah. I couldn't get it. But dude, if you put on NBA Street, if you put on NBA Jam, if you gave me Blitz, uh, bro, those games I could play the heck out of those. Man, that was so much fun, and everybody could play. Yeah, they're great. All right, favorite PlayStation Two game. <sighs> this is another one that's tough, man. Um, <sighs> Am I allowed to say that I liked Vice City a lot? Yeah. Okay, I like Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and mostly because of the soundtrack. To be to be honest with you, great um, soundtrack. In, in the days before Spotify, uh, to be able to have <laughs> that much great music at your fingertips was just beautiful. And uh, yeah, uh, there there was games like Shadow of the Colossus and and Eco. Eco, I love so much. Final Fantasy X, I think, is the first game that made me weep and like just like mm-hmm. a baby. But um, and this one is not the most polished. It's not the most beautiful game to ever come out on a console. But my number one favorite PlayStation Two game is SSX Tricky. Mm. Those were fun games. Perfect, dude. I, I played until my fingers were bruised. <laughs> Just going down the mountain, doing all your tricks. Just doing all my tricks, man. And I was tricky. Good job. I didn't get a PlayStation Two till late in its life because there was one christmas where i told my parents i want you to get me a dvd player for christmas and if you don't get me a dvd player for christmas i think i've shared this story before if you don't get me a dvd player for christmas i'm going to buy a playstation 2 and I'll always be playing video games so they didn't get me a dvd player so i bought a playstation 2 and i really i liked final fantasy 10 that was probably one of the games i had but i'll go back to dead or alive 2 was my favorite game on that console. <laughs> now, I don't want to call you out on this, but Dead or Alive 2, that's the fighting game that had uh, an adjustable slide in your options menu where there you was, can there control. There was a physics menu. There was. <laughs> but it really, what, 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 were the, what were the physics specifically in charge of controlling? Well, I don't, I'm trying to remember. You know, some chestal regions <laughs> on certain characters were, you know, independently Man. bouncy. But, you know. I, I enjoyed fighting games. I really like Street Fighter 2. That was probably one of my favorite SNES games out on Genesis as well. But mm. I've always liked the, I think, because there are some fighting games where, you know, like Tekken, like it's super, you know, like I don't have, I don't, I'm not very good at fighting games. So I just like right. to mash buttons. And right. Dead or Alive is very conducive to button mashing. See, now I've always found, like, I've always frustrated with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Forget it. I can't play Street Fighter. There's too many combos in Street Fighter. But I always found Tekken was my answer for that because you could play. Anybody could jump right into Tekken without having to memorize a bunch of combos. So I get that. Yeah, that's Um, that's what I liked about Dire Live is you just mash buttons. And there was a really simple counter combo. Like, you just had to hit B, and that's all Mm. it was. Or I guess it's X or Y or Zero or O on the PlayStation. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a PlayStation 2, but I didn't play that many PlayStation 2 games. I don't know gotcha. what that was. But I probably put the most time into 
Final Fantasy X. Yeah, SSX Tricky was it for me, man. Or SSX3. I mean, more of the same. One of them. All right, favorite GameCube game? Um, now, GameCube was a tough one because that was what I was playing when my son was born. So ah. I'm kind of where you are right now. <laughs> um, but the the two games that really, really stick out to me, and there was a ton, but one really hard to ignore. I love the Wind Waker. Wind Waker was one of my favorite Zelda games. Is that the, Not very popular. Is that the little, the cartoony looking one? Yeah, super cartoony. It's yeah. all kind of nautical themed. Uh-huh. Um, really unique departure. But my number one favorite, favorite, favorite GameCube game, and one of my favorite games of all time, was Animal Crossing. Oh yeah. Don't 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 take that tone no, no, with that, me. No, no, that, that was not my. Um, it was like, oh, that, I'm sorry. I my tone okay. didn't. It, I'm uh, yeah. No, I, that was more like, oh yeah, like that was nostalgic for just because I'm a grown that. man who likes pretending like I'm a child in a village who <laughs> owes rent money to a, a raccoon and goes around doing favors for other anthropomorphic animal creatures in an idyllic little real time town. Don't don't you patronize I'm sorry, me? I, that I my tone was far more patronizing than I intended. But man, but the, because the game did operate in in pseudo real time, like whatever time you played in real life, whatever day you played in real life, it was that day yeah. and time in the game. There was times when Tortimer would say, "We're gonna get up and we're gonna watch the moon rise," and so you'd have to go in and play the game on this day at that time, or you'd have to play on Christmas if you wanted to get a present from your mom, and you know, just it, it was like that was interesting. That is to interesting. Me. That's a super interesting. Could you could you mess it up by changing yeah, the time oh, on your system? Definitely, you could, oh, okay. man. You absolutely could. But there was there was payback for doing that because like it, the the time that was traveling. Um, it would count in the game, so your town would experience the uh, the downgrade, the degradation of uh. time. It would wear on it. So, oh man, now I got to go clean up my town. There's weeds everywhere. Or there's cockroaches in my house. So, uh, time travel did have some adverse effects, as we've learned from many yeah. things. Have you played any of the you know newer versions for either like the Wii or the Switch? Yeah. Are they still I have. I, good? I got all of them. The one Animal Crossing and New Leaf, which is uh, for the DS. Mm-hmm is wonderful it's it's wonderful it's probably better than the first one the only thing that makes the first one so perfect for me it was before the days that nintendo had a virtual shop so they weren't trying to sell downloadable copies of their games Mm. so in the original animal crossing it was possible to receive as a gift from your mom or just on the random um, a nintendo console and that nintendo console would have a full nintendo game in it so in Animal Crossing, in my basement right now, I have about 20 Nintendo consoles, and each one has full Nintendo games. So in Animal Crossing, I can jump out and play Excite Bike, or I can jump out and play Balloon Fight, or I can jump out oh, and play Balloon- Ice Climber. Balloon Fight's a great game. Yeah, the entire game within a game. It's so meta. <laughs> my brain's exploding. Uh, right? I had a GameCube. I don't remember playing it a ton, but I really liked Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron was great. It was Rogue Leader for the GameCube. Yeah, Rogue Leader. It was That was a great game, dude. It was a dude. great game. It opens up with the Battle of Hoth, man. I mean, yeah. you were in it. So many so many iterations of Battle of Hoth throughout consoles. I don't consoles. care. I'll play them all. And yeah, I, I don't play care. I'll all. play every single one. Oh, I didn't talk about Super Star Wars or Super Empire Strikes Back, Super Nintendo. Those were so great. They were yeah, so hard. They, they were, were so hard. They were, but they were fun. So yeah, Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron 2 for the GameCube was great. And... It, I think when I got it, I got an arc. I got a GameCube version of the Star Wars arcade game, and so what? I could no. Yeah, so I still have it. I can play no. the Star Wars arcade game, the Green Lines. Pew, pew, pew. I can That's play that awesome. on my TV. That's really cool. Which is pretty pretty awesome. 
So yeah, that I'm, was that game was way ahead of its time, man. I mean, it, it felt like, and you're talking, you're going back to, I mean, between Empire and Jedi, I think when that came out. Yeah, and it feels like a 3D game. Yeah, it's it's great. All right, and last for our list, my favorite console, maybe the one that I spent the most time with, because <laughs> I was in college. I bought a couple different ones of them because I had a credit card and made bad decisions because I had to have the green one. Oh yeah, the green Halo one was pretty sweet. Yeah, what the is Xbox. your favorite Xbox? Microsoft's first foray called the Xbox because it's built off of DirectX. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, um, I never owned an Xbox. Really, never owned an Xbox. Yeah, never did. And I, 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 I feel bad, but I was just so stilted so in, in in PlayStation <laughs> that I just and it wasn't this versus that because I don't mind having both consoles. <laughs> I got I got an Xbox 360, which I liked, but. Yeah. Um, no, I never owned an Xbox, huh. so I, I it was one of those I could only play it at my friend's house. Yeah. We we played Halo. Everybody was really good at Halo, and I wasn't, so I didn't <laughs> like that too much. Um, I really like Fusion Frenzy. Oh yeah, that was a, that, that was, was a fun game. title. Yeah, but the uh, the one that I think has stuck with me the most, and I I went back and played it later on. Probably the only one I played fully through and really liked was uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. But um, Xbox oh, was Kotor. was not my field of expertise. Gun to my head. Um, that's about as much conversation as I can have about the original Xbox. But you seem to be super passionate wow, about it. Wow, I stunted Tony's ability to talk. That I didn't think that was possible. Well, Marquee Day. I, I, I simply yield to my betters. Uh, yeah, Xbox, there were a lot of great games. It was great when they came out with the controller S because the original controller was so big and Gigantic, round and wonky. Yeah. So the controller S made life good. Halo is still a great game. The updated versions, Alicia and I will play those a lot when we played video games. Fusion Frenzy was good. KOTOR was great. There are a lot of great games. I tried playing Morrowind. It was not good. No. But it, I can see where it led to Oblivion, which is tremendous. Yeah. So, But I, I would probably have to say Halo 2, man. Halo 2, when it came out and you could dual wield. And not just Halo 2 itself, because the story is whatever. But playing it with people. I mean, that that's the... That's right in the wheelhouse of my starting out as a youth pastor. And so there was nothing better than linking up four Xboxes and having 16 high school students and leaders playing Halo 2 and just blasting each other. That was the big appeal of Xbox, man. I remember those when we, those days when everybody would do that and everybody would bring their console over and drag their TV into the house. Yep. Um, there was never an experience like that. So great. And, and that's getting to some of the complaining parts about this is that they've done away with you know, on couch co-op like there, you can't find it anymore. And it's so such a shame because so Ah, many, that's not always true. There's a big resurgence now of party games that are coming back to new consoles, which I, because I'm not an online gamer. Yeah. Uh, I I don't, I, 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 it's just not intuitive for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I got a, got out of it, but PlayStation Three brought some back. I'm sure Xbox has the same games, but uh, but PS4 has done a wonderful job in the resurgence of party games. Okay. And I, I think the company that that's at the forefront of it, which I love, 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 and and I hate to even spoil it because I I, I kind of like being the guy that gets to show people these things. But if you like having, if you're a youth pastor or you have a small group that comes to your house and you're looking for kind of a cool party game, and you don't own the Jackbox party packs. 
you're missing it because those are the best couch co-op games everybody can play because you play right from your cell phones hmm. you don't have to buy a bunch of extra controllers and and they're just they're remarkable fun party games but uh playstation 3 had age of booty which was like a pirate a team up pirate uh, against each other game strategy game um they, they brought back all those old amazing arcade games like the ninja turtles arcade yeah, game. like those. i did i had the x i had the x-men one on my 360 and that is x-men tremendous so, uh, those type of games man where you could play through our our the couch co-op is the best i'm sorry i just took a tangent i apologize no that's fine that's what i was talking about but but yeah you for me there's no better experience than those nights four xboxes 16 people four tvs all linked up through a network switch and just it was it was on like that's such a special season of my life and, you know, those games now, some of them didn't age very well. Somebody out there, when we talked about Nintendo 64, was screaming, GoldenEye! And you know what? GoldenEye sucks. It's it's not a good game. It was fun. But at, at the, the time, time, it was amazing. Yeah. Those were great times. But it, it didn't age well. Yeah. And also, shout out for Halo 3 for having the best commercial ever. It was, I don't know <clears throat> if you remember it, because it was all about the war and the battle. And so it's like old like veterans talking about this scene and it's kind of going over this diorama of the mm-hmm. battlefield it's got this great music and then it ends you know like master chiefs being held up by a brute and it says believe and then he looks up and it's just the best commercial i will link to it because it's so good i played halo 3 when i got my xbox 360 um and and i, I enjoyed it but it wasn't a magical experience for me because I didn't have any emotional attachment. Yeah. I'm not playing Halo 1 or 2. I, I, Master Chief as a character wasn't um, entrenched in my cultural nostalgia or anything like that. Yeah. But I still see the way that they present Master Chief as kind of this iconic character. Uh-huh. And, I, and I feel like it's it's even for me, who's never played the games, it's very <laughs> effective. And, I, and, and beyond that, I super, super, super love that they made their assistant called Cortana. Uh, I just think that's a wonderful reference, and Microsoft, <laughs> whoever the ad wizards were that came up with that one, uh, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, Cort- and and again, you have you know I'm much more emotionally connected to Cortana than I am to Siri, and I don't even have Cortana on any devices. Right. All right. So let us know what your favorite si- games were from all those systems, and maybe if I ever get around to actually playing my Xbox One, I'll have a list of my favorite Xbox One games. PlayStation, man. Bust out a PS1. Get one of those PlayStation 1 classics. You can get them for like $12 now because they're sold for crap. Do I have a PlayStation 1? No. I have a PlayStation 2 in my garage. I've got all my systems in my garage. When we finally move into a house where I can have a gaming room, I'm going to have all of 12 of my old systems plugged in. I'm going to go to Goodwill and get a tube TV so I can play them all. (laughs) Okay, man. It'll be great. Look, That'll be the day. Let me know. (laughs) All right. Let's have a little Bible study. Bible study. All right, Bible study is what it says. We talk about the Bible because we're pastors and we love God's word. And I listened to Tony, last time we talked about Tony preaching, and I listened to Tony's sermon when I was on my flight <laughs> to Dallas. Uh, and thank you. No, it was, it was a great sermon, man. I'm going to go back. How long was your flight? Uh, three hours, so I made it through about half of it. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> Jerk. 
it was an hour long sermon, but hey, man, it was good. And I'm, I'm I I was shocked. I guess I should have known this, but that you don't get to preach very regularly in big church. You're like, this is a once every eight month thing. I'm like, oh, I guess. <laughs> I would probably preach longer if I only preached once every eight months. <laughs> and my pastor called me out on that. He said it's more, it, it is more frequent than that. It's probably once every six months, if we're being honest. But uh, no, we, we have a great teacher and people like what he has to say. Yeah. Well, I go once every it, six so. weeks. So that's pretty, that's a big. It's not a contest, Scott Higa. No, I'm just saying, like, that's a big difference. Like, it's, it's a lot. All right, so uh, so go listen to Tony Sermon. I'll put a link to it. It was very good. No, I'm going to go back because there because you know you get your you get your you get your Pentecostal pa- pastor preacher going, and so you just you know you come up with all the 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 pithy phrases that rhyme, and so I'm going to go and <laughs> steal some of those and and put them into my next sermon. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a, a rap battle every it time is. I preach. You, you, you talked about how they were looking for a revolution, but God wanted a revolution. Like just boom, boom. I'm going to steal it and not give you credit, so that's okay. So uh, we, in Bible study, we talk about Bible, and we pull stuff from the Revised Common Lectionary, which is something I learned about at my retreat. I mean, something I've known about for a while. But, (laughs) so today, we have a reading from Revelation chapter 21. When I saw this one as one of the possible readings, I'm like, yep, that's what we're going to do, because Revelation 21, 1 through 6, is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was, no, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Amen. Amen. All right. Talk to you in two weeks, Tony. Man, that's so good. It is awesome. What, ex- that, that, what excites you about that passage, Tony? This is, I mean, this is the end game here, really. I mean, this yeah. is what it is. Uh, you know, the Lord comes out with a whole, everything has built up to this, everything. Yeah. I mean, we we see from creation through the Exodus, through, you know, the kings and, and the judges and all of the drama and the trauma that leads us up to the arrival of Messiah. And yeah. we see what Christ does on the cross and his death and burial and resurrection and all of the, it's like a crescendo just building up to mm-hmm. it. But this really is the payoff. This yeah. is cashing the check of what Christ did, uh, because all of the corruption that, that came with our willingness to hand over the keys to, uh, to the enemy, you know, or, you know, to try in the effort to serve ourselves, all of the corruption, all of the, the wear and, and tear and the, the, the entropy that has happened in the universe is reversed and set right and replaced with something brand new. And that's, I mean, it, it's who else but God. Yeah. Could do that. Yeah. And not only to restore it, but to redeem it. You know, and the, the, a powerful verse is in, in two when he talks about it, he's like, it's not only new, but it, it, we see this this tabernacle, you know, we see this new Jerusalem mm-hmm. coming down like a bride for her husband. So it's not even just like, I'm going to fix it begrudgingly. It's like, I'm going to fix it with desire. 
Mm. Uh, I'm going to fix it so that I can become you know, unified with it and in, with intimacy. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. I don't, I just, it's like we said, like what, what, what tops this passage? It's kind of like yeah. all that stuff that we're going through, all the hardships, all the, you know, before we recorded, we were talking about just some of the hardships, even in our week of just regular life stuff. And, you know, sure. like that's so minuscule compared to people who are, you know, dealing with cancer or, you know, giant massive tragedies. But like all those things, like the massive tragedies to the everyday pittances of like, man, my life kind of sucks today. Like all those things, just like, oh, there's just be wiped away. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because what you were experiencing, like that's done with it's done. It's over. It's finished. And now this, now you get what I had intended. You get to live the life. You get to have the experience. We get to be together. Like it's so, it's so encouraging. It really is kind of that, that, that thing that says, Oh yeah, I I can keep going. Like I can keep Mm -hmm. pressing forward. I can continue through my struggles and my trials, but also how can I bring people along so they can experience this new heaven in this new earth with me that. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing is it's not just this concept. It's, it's for us. It's just, there's an application for us. Yeah. Like we, this is what we get to experience, and then it's the, then the compulsion. Like, well, it's not just for me; it's for that random person that I don't know. It's for these; it's for my family members who don't yet know Christ. It's like it, it like it's open for everybody. So, what am I going to do to make sure that you know we get to experience this new heaven, this new earth together? Such a such a such a great great passage. And I think about the context of not only what this is saying, but who it was written to. I mean, this was not just written for our benefit, although on a spiritual level it was. You know, God was providing his inspired word for us. But this was a letter yeah. to seven churches. This was a letter to people who lived in a world where, like we say, persecution. Oh, geez, yeah. look, look how Look how everyone's against Christianity in this country. It's okay. <laughs> well, next time you go to church and no one comes and chops your head off, yeah. let me know. Let, have, a, have a good conversation with the Laodiceans. You know, talk to them. <laughs> but you're talking to a, a place, man, where Christianity was fundamentally shunned and illegal, and people, their family members were being fed to lions. Their homes were being torn apart. Their, the government was taking all of their, I mean, assets. This is, I mean, this was a, a terrifying, awful place. And they're thinking, "Hey, we really thought Jesus was coming right back." Yeah. This was written by a, 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 a if if John the Revelator is John the Beloved, which yeah. there's no reason to believe he's not. This was a group of people that genuinely did not think that they were going to die yeah. without seeing his return. And there's a sense of hopelessness and dread that comes from that. Uh, you know, John, especially because of some of Jesus's choice words at the end of his gospel of like, yeah. you know, if it's my desire that, you know, you this don't person, die yeah, before yeah. I come back. So, so but there, there's, there's kind of like this, uh, this idea of, uh, look, I'm an old man. I'm, I'm on this island. I'm, you know, I'm fixing to die out here. And God reveals you know, he does show, look, there is an end to this and it's a desirable end. And all of the things that you've suffered because you've been tortured and you've seen loved ones lost for my sake, you know, all those things that I promised you, I was going to give you a comforter to help get you through this season. But ultimately the comforter is to get you to a place where comfort is your existence, where there is a reward. There is no more tears. There is no more death. There is no more suffering or the, the question marks will be eliminated and replaced with with the certainty of my presence. You know, when he talks about this holy city comes down and he says, behold, this dwelling place of God with man, um, that, that word is like that, that's a tabernacle. It's like there's there's this in, in, in 
implication of unity there, of like the, the perfection of God with us. And that word is there, like I think three or four times in verse three, it's like with, with, mm-hmm. with. God is with man. He's with them. They will, they'll be his people. He will be with them as their God. And that word with, I used it earlier when I, when I was joking around, I said it's so meta, but the Greek word for that really is meta, uh, which means just like it's self-referential. It's like it's a uh, it's like it's woven in like I'm among you like I'm I'm in it the, the it's fully realized within itself and it's wonderful and powerful man like God is with us no more talking about him as a concept you know no more picturing him as a you know frail meek and mild man um, no more suffering servant man but but we get the fullness of him and we're with him it's amazing that is amazing and how do you cry. How do you mourn? How do you how do you struggle when you're in his presence? Like how do you how do you sit there and, and focus on your problems anymore? There there's an old wonderful beautiful song of the church turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look yeah. full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it's like what is what what how can we suffer when we're in his hands? It's just powerful. Yeah. What what uh what convicts you about this passage? That I lose sight of this so often. <laughs> yeah. That I forget that this is coming and I let dumb little things become the the plot that I follow. Yeah. I think that I'm challenged. Verse six, like verse six should be encouraging. Like it says it's mm. done. I'm the Alpha and the Mega, the beginning and the end, the shag of water without cost from the spring of water of life. It's like, yeah, that's great. And like, well, I I, I know that. But then mm-hmm. I choose not to live like, you know, Jesus isn't the beginning, the end for me. You know, like I have lots of other things that I chase after and I know yeah. I'm thirsty and I know who has the water of life. But then I go drinking at other things like, oh, no, like th- this is this is going to satisfy me. <laughs> the water of life is there. But, man, the water in that toilet looks good. Exactly. It? I'm like, yeah, you know, like it'd be great. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm going to. I'm going to stay up late and watch a bunch of stuff on Netflix when I should go to bed so I can wake <laughs> up and, you know, spend some time with you. Like that, like that's going to satisfy me or yeah. I'm going to sleep in because, you know, that extra 30 minutes of sleep that that's going to satisfy me or, yeah. you know, thinking through all the ways that, you know, like all my narcissisms and all my brokenness. And it's like, man, if I, if I just succeed at work, if people like what I do, then that'll satisfy. It's like, nah, man, like, it's the water of it's the living water and like we know who has it so i yeah. like why am i trying to drink out of a toilet when and i love I've i love the fountain. word that you're using there satisfy because yeah that's that's a john 4 reference man exactly. jesus is like if you drink this water you're never going to thirst again yeah and in, and that's 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 jesus saying that that's not just <laughs> hyperbole that's not some fanciful metaphorical imagery jesus is saying if you never when he says never he doesn't mean like sometimes kind of maybe sort of never is never man drink and you will never thirst again if you eat this fruit of the tree you know you'll live forevermore right you know yeah. like but but if, but you know you know what nourishes the tree it's the water man mm. like the water is what makes the tree grow like we're we're cutting out the middleman going straight to the source uh dude living forever uh, forever completely satisfied yeah. but because again like once you have that what do you need this for you know once you once you have that thing what what, what it's like i don't want jesus and fill in the blank yeah there isn't there's just jesus like that's all there is yeah and it's like what well yeah i don't need you can keep the rest of the stuff boy i wish i could live like that now 
I wish I could I wish I could really really find that place in my heart where I could really live like that now and just say only Jesus like and be satisfied yeah. with not Jesus and you know we wouldn't have a podcast I guess right <laughs> not Jesus and and movies not Jesus and video games not Jesus and action figures um, Jesus and Patreon sponsors like yeah. it'd be great if we and, and so the like what I've noticed as I've gotten older and hope maybe getting more mature is that you know for a long time it's like oh man like if I if I stop giving these temptations then then I'll be sad then I can really find like the water of life and then as I've gotten mm-hmm. older I've realized that well yeah it's great not to you know constantly give into sin and temptation but I'm still at this place of well yeah but i'm still looking for satisfaction and significance or like i said in my job or in my work so it's a lot of the the deeper you know seated stuff it's like yeah like okay we should choose jesus over sin we get that mm-hmm. but but then like well i'm not doing that anymore but it's still like but i'm still not satisfied i'm trying i'm still trying to sign satisfaction in things that you know maybe aren't feeding you know fleshly desires but just like desires for significance and importance it's like i'm still trying to find that satisfaction in something other than jesus which it's yeah it's such a deeper thing and so it's constantly convicting me and i'm like how do i how do i go to that source because it's there it's open to me i guess that's what we're working on (laughs) that's what we're working on man i guess it's just every day dying to ourselves man crucifying ourselves i love I'm, i'm looking because there there's a moment when I don't know, when you talk to Clara, you know, when you talk to a kid in your youth group or when you're trying to explain to something, something to somebody, and you kind of have to double down. I I always pay attention when Jesus says something twice, right? Mm -hmm. When he's like, you know, truly, I say to you this, you know, when when he clarifies something, and I want to say it's in verse um, five, when he says, I'm making all things new. Hey, write this down. Write this down. Yeah. Like he, he makes a point to say, write this down. Like, what has John been doing this whole time? You know, he's like, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Mm. And I always love looking at the, at the Greek. I was like looking at my concordance and when it says faithful, I mean, that word faithful literally means it's trusty. It's faithful. Uh, you know, it can be relied on, but that word true is really a, an interesting and, and fun word because it's such, it has such a rich definition. It says, it doesn't only have the name and the resemblance, but it has the nature corresponding mm. to the name. In every respect, it cor- corresponds to the idea signified by the name. It's true. It's genuine. It's like there's nothing artificial about this. Um, and then the the other definitions say it's the opposite of fake. It's the opposite. Like it, it goes into the the, the, the the counter translation of it. It is the opposite of fake, the opposite of counterfeit, the opposite of imaginary, the opposite of simulated, the opposite of pretend. The opposite of imperfect, and and, and I, although I hate to to do this because this is our idiom here, you know, the whole time that we've been sitting here talking about all, you know, for for an hour about all the things that we're enjoying, whether it's movies about the movies we love, or whether it's about you know Marvel movies, or whether it's about video games, all of that is fictitious, all of that is imaginary, all of that is simulated, all of that is pretend. And Jesus is saying, here's the one true thing. Here's the one thing that's not fake. Here's the one thing that's not imperfect. And um, and I think that when he says, hey, snap, write this down. This is true. Um, man, I think a Christian should really sit up and listen to that. Yeah. Well, now I feel convicted because we spent way longer talking about video games than we did this. So we got to keep going for another forty-five minutes so we can balance those things out because that's what it's about, right? If we, yeah, you know. absolutely. If you, if we have to at least give the appearance of caring about <laughs> Jesus more, otherwise people will think less of us. Yeah, 
Then that feed, but then that feeds into what we're talking about. It's a vicious yep. cycle. It uh, is. What uh, what encourage what 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 do you think could encourage others from this passage? You know, I, I think it depends on how you approach it, man. But I think that when I'm when I'm this is my go to when I'm talking to somebody who's struggling yeah. and they're going through a hard time. That when when in those moments we we need to keep our faith and we need to have hope. That well, like Paul says, you know, like if we if we have hope in this life alone, we're of all men most miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I may have just misquoted, but <laughs> but he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, man, and death will be no more. There won't be any more mourning, any more crying, no pain anymore. It's all going to go away. And I think sometimes knowing in the middle of a traumatic situation or in the middle of an uncertain situation that the ending is a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And that it's a promised, predetermined, it's already done in God's yeah. eyes. Um, boy, that's enough to, to keep you going on because a lot of times feeling hopeless is all it takes to to burn the fuel out of the tank. And But but having hope, I think, keeps us going yeah. a little further than we thought we could yeah. on our own. And even the, just the ultimate hope that you know there may not be resolution for what we're going through in this life, but there will be resolution on the other side. And, yeah. you know, that, that's that's a tough truth, but, like, there have been a couple times where that truth has been tested in my own life, and it, like, it came through. Like, like I felt that way. I'm like, man, like, I should not have hope in this situation, but I do. And so, like, to be in that place, like, it's when everything says be hopeless, but you still have hope, like, that that's an incredibly powerful experience and just recognize like oh that that's that's what this means that that there is hope out there um one of the things i i hope to encourage people with through this passage um is the fact that the new heaven and the new earth like they come down to us that Mm -hmm. that this world this place is going to be redeemed that it's not we're just sitting here waiting to be transported off to some other place like yeah. Scotty's up there writing to beam us up and we're like, screw <laughs> you guys. I'm out of here. I hope you burn. But the idea that this place is going to be redeemed, like that the new heaven and the new earth is going to be here. Like there'll be a physical place. So we're not just going to be disembodied spirits floating out in the ether. somewhere. like, that's not heaven. Like heaven is the new heaven and the new earth that we get to experience in, in this place. And so it's always, you know, we're getting into some deeper eschatology. I don't even know what your eschatology is, Tony. But just, you know, the idea of, you know, like... like On, God... paper, on paper or actual, because they're two different things. That's true. I have, I have hopeful eschatology, and then I have, like, doctrinal eschatology. Yeah. Like, what do, I, what do I believe in? What do I say I believe? <laughs> what do I believe in? What I hope for? What I hope for. But just, you know, we, we you know, we... You've done funerals. I've done funerals. We go to funerals, and we just yep. talk about like, uh, little Nana's looking down on us. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe, but is the, she? the yeah. hope is that we'll all be together with resurrected physical bodies, yeah. and we'll get to experience God in the new heaven and the new earth. Because God's plan isn't to beam us away and blow up this place. His plan has always been to come back and redeem it and make yeah. it like it was. And so that's encouraging for me. And just you know, God bless the hymn. I'll fly away, but like. We're not flying away. Like we're, like, we're like we're not flying to heaven. Heaven is flying to us, and, and will in yeah. this place will be redeemed. And so, and that's so much more exciting than being transported off and being a disembodied spirit floating around for forever, the hovering f- over Oklahoma. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then the dark rain ends, and we get to get mm-hmm. rid of Norman Osborn. 
but things things are not promised to always be easy along the way. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that Revelation was written not even necessarily as apocalyptic literature just to say, hey, this is the back to the future of the Bible. I this wrote is the an dark... entire paper about how it's not apocalyptic. I mean, it's apocalyptic in its style. It is, but, but it's, it's not. But I, I'm very much, oh, yeah, this is about, you know. 80, 70. Like, that's what this is all about. I mean, this is an epistle to real people who yeah. lived in a real time of real struggle, and it was designed as an encouragement to them. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of symbolism to it, and I, I believe that the Bible is literal, but I don't believe that every single word of it is, you know, literally literal, yeah. in that if it says there's a beast, that that means all of a sudden that, you know, you're going to have a beast. I mean, sometimes things are symbolic. You know, when Jesus says, I've longed to take you like a mother hen, it didn't mean that Jesus was going to turn into a giant chicken. Um, that's my, so, that's so, my new favorite Jesus, chicken Jesus, <laughs> chicken Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't they're so, even they're right so, now. They, they'd fill they they'd fill the baskets with nuggets and uh, and waffle fries. Yeah. There is one <laughs> God, chicken Jesus, and Colonel Sanders, his prophet. <laughs> um, yeah, but but I, I think back even to like there's if, only if you one God, the, man. He does not dress in a chicken suit. He does not. Big Al's toy barn. Now, now we go. Now we get to go to hell without waiting in line. Good job. It's my pleasure. Yeah, but if, you, if you look back, man, earlier in the book and in, in Revelation, I mean, there's even people in there who have died, man. In chapter six, there's this whole dialogue that happens with people who lost their life, man, who were martyred, who you know they 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 were killed for the cause of Christ. I mean, they didn't get to escape the sword. But their ending was still happy ending. All yeah. things are made new. There's no more mourning, no more tears. And and when you go through those t- those times, man, they really are tough. When you do have a loved one that's sick and you're saying, where is God now? He's at the finish line where he's always been. He's carrying us through what, what, what we can uh, through this fallen, unredeemed, broken, disease-ridden, pestilence-ridden, famine-ridden, self-centered, you know, anti-God world. But he's still there at the end, ready to make all things new. And that's for me and for you. And whether we make it to him first or he comes back for us first, um, the end is fixed. It is a fixed point in time, as the good doctor would say. Yeah. And none of that is lip service, what you just said, Tony. But also, that's not what you say to somebody when in the midst of tragedy, you don't go up. It's okay, because in the end, it's all going to be right. Like, in those moments, be present with somebody, and then you have the opportunity to share the hope. But, you know, it's kind of the, the you know, the cheap lip service. Like, oh, it's cool, buddy. It's fine. Like, Jesus is coming back. Like, that's no, true. No, no, I know. I, you yeah. don't say, I'm not saying that they, no, here, I, here's I, your strategy. I Someone's going through a hard time. Just tell them God's got a plan. Pat them on the head <laughs> and move on. You know, give them one of those little half $5 bills that say, disappointed, you won't be if you trust Jesus. Uh, no. I, I know that's not what you're saying, but I, for, I'm encouraging our listeners. Yeah. Like, don't tell somebody about that hope. Be that hope. Be we, that yeah, presence draw, in their we life. We draw from that. Listen, man, we, John chapter four, Jesus has this. River, this well, and John chapter seven, we we impart that living water. Yeah. That water flows from us to them. So yeah. from his hope, let us be hope. I could not agree with you yeah. more, Scott. Be present in that moment. Don't offer empty platitudes. Be meta with somebody. Just be together. There you go. Just be with them. Just be with them. Just be with them. All right. (laughs) Among them. We probably talked more about video games, but that's okay because we're pastors, so we can do what we want. 
Well, here's the deal, man. We only did one one chapter of scripture. We did eight video game consoles. That's so I think true. if you divided it up. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're trying to impress people and make people think we're good Christians. Yeah, if they made it past our ridiculous rant about Xbox to this point anyway, they're already with us. So or about you. Know, you, you know what we're all about. Or about, about you. Uh, getting really angry about people in your groups and wishing that they would die. I did. I told them die. That's so harsh. I'm so sorry. You didn't mean that, Tony. I didn't mean it. I know. I repent. Okay. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on this episode of the Christian Order Godcast. We'll hopefully be back in two weeks, Lord willing. That'll be Memorial Day, so you'll have a whole day. We're just going to record an eight-hour podcast. You can spend your whole day listening to us. We'll have like four hours of Bible study and four hours of video game talk. It'll be great. I'm going to grill some burgers while we do it. It'll be great. Oh, delicious. Hey, Tony, yes. where can people uh, find you and hang out with you on the internet? I am so glad that you asked. You can find us on uh, nerdogodcast.com. You can also check out all of our social medias, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Nerd of Godcast. Uh, you can check me out at It's Me, Tony T. I like to hang out on Twitter more often than not. Uh, Scotty, where can they find you, man? You can go to thechristianerd.com to have all your Christian nerd needs met. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Heeg or at Christian underscore nerd. And I would love to talk with you engage with you and exchange animated whimsical gifts with you i screwed that up i don't know how to do it man it's okay man it's all right i, and I, and I don't I, I don't enjoy exchanging gifts sometimes i think we're too gift folk gift focused like you know just i i'm even like just throwing some emojis and i hated emojis before you know what i like i like punctuation original the original emoji is an exclamation point <laughs> Actually, I think before punctuation, there was hieroglyphics. So technically, emojis were the original. That's true. Dang we're it. We're going back, man. Now I'm going to uh, go if you guys... listen to the bangles. <laughs> if you're going to be in Orlando, anyone who's listening, Please. on May, May 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, you can come by and visit us at booth 490A. That's next in the weekend, man. Alley. It is. We'll be at Megacon Thursday through Sunday, man. We have these new shirts that are out there. It's Jesus Loves You 3000. And um, we're just we're going to go out there and just kind of show, show some love, man, show some light. I'm going to be talking about religion and anime again. They've invited me back for like the sixth time, which is mind-blowing. So um, come visit us. Hang out with us. Please or, do. At the, at the very Megacon. least, pray for us. Yeah. I'm very excited for you. I will. I, I won't like. I won't text you on like Friday. Like, what's going on? Because I know you'll be busy. So I'll. Yeah. I'll wait till you know Sunday afternoon when you're really, really tired to figure out what's That's going right. on. But you very it, excited after, to follow along with that. I am free and clear after seven p.m. every night. God willing. Hey, that's like four o'clock p.m. my time. That's perfect. I'll call See, you on my ride perfect. home. Perfect. Like, hey, what's perfect. up, Tony? What's All up? right. Well, I think that's it for this episode. So goodbye, Tony. Bye, Scott. Goodbye, Internet.